Sports Primetime on a Monday night. I'm your host, Buck Rising. I'm proud, as always, to be presented to you by Two Rivers Ford. Two Rivers Ford since 1983, award-winning customer service and quality American-made Ford vehicles. Two Rivers Ford in Mount Juliet or online at tworiversford.com. The Ashton Real Estate Group of Remax Advantage, the official real estate agent of the Nashville Predators and of A to Z Sports Primetime. Make sure you get the Intel Edge that only the Ashton team can provide to you at GaryAshton.com. So, there's a lot of intrigue around this football team, around this offense. Uh, James Strickland says, speaking of intrigue, hey, Buck, if Burks uses Zyrtec, he'll be fine, says uh, James Strickland about the embattled, for lack of a better term, wide receiver. Albert uh, or Chris Frazier says of Albert Breer, who wrote the Monday morning quarterback, who does write the Monday morning quarterback, says that uh, there were red flags on Traylon Burks. You know, I, I haven't read the Monday morning quarterback yet today. I'll be honest with you, Chris. I'd be curious to go back through that. And, you know, I'm sure there are a degree of like cautionary, cautionary issues for any given team on any given player right now. You want a first round pick to have minimal quote unquote red flags. But again, having not read that myself, uh, Chris, I'll have to go back through and uh, and maybe we'll talk about that tomorrow night. Um, what day this week is their media availability says, I don't even know what the hell that name is, but I'll just say Ricky. Um, yeah, media availability is on Wednesday. So, uh, we're going to be back to work tomorrow. For the most part, we will have, uh, we will have practice. We will have OTAs on Wednesday. There will be meetings with the media and maybe we'll hear from Traylon Burks then. But in the meantime, there's one thing we already know about the Tennessee Titans offense. What we know about the Tennessee Titans offense is really not that far fledged from what they have been in years past. Um, when you kind of look at all the different elements, all the different ways that we've covered this, there's one thing that really stands out about what we definitively know. So I want to see if we're on the same way, wavelength, you and I. I want to know what you definitively know about the Tennessee Titans on offense as we sit here on May the 30th. It's your Two Rivers Ford take. Please let me know on Facebook, on YouTube, on Twitter, and on Twitch. We'll talk about it together. What one thing would you say that you definitively know about this Titans offense right now? Uh, while you do that, I will tell you about the people who make the Two Rivers Ford take possible. That is, of course, Two Rivers Ford. Two Rivers Ford, where you can build your new Ford vehicle or get a certified Two Rivers Ford Blue Advantage pre-owned vehicle from one of the most trusted, if not the most trusted, name in the automotive business. Two Rivers Ford has been doing business for nearly 40 years here in Middle Tennessee, and that's where you want to go, a place with an established name, an established quality of customer service if you are exploring a pre-owned option because you want to make sure that you can trust the people who are selling you your next car. Two Rivers Ford does not work on commission, so there will be zero pressure on you, whether you build your own, whether you buy a new one off the lot, or whether a pre-owned vehicle is more in your line of thinking. Two Rivers Ford in Mount Juliet or online at tworiversford.com. So, what's one thing you know about the Titans offense definitively? Mike McCowan says, finally got a consistent tight end. Now, I'm assuming he's talking about Hooper. I don't know uh, if he's talking about Chigokonkwo. Austin Hooper and Chigokonkwo, the two new additions at tight end. Mike, perhaps you could clarify whether you mean the rookie or the veteran 
at this point uh, at this point because of Austin Hooper, I would say that Browns the Browns were very very happy to get rid of him. Um and it wasn't not like to move on. I know that there's there should be there is a there is a really really low level of expectation for the Titans at that position given how much, you know, how much they didn't produce collectively as a group last year. Consistent is not what people who cover the Browns or Browns fans would tell you of Austin Hooper. Um, now in 2000 and I guess that would have been 2018 was the season that he was still with the Falcons in 2017 and 2018, Austin Hooper and Matt Ryan had one of the best quarterback tight end connections in the game. He, he signed a massive contract to go play for the Browns. And then he got cut two years into it. Now Baker is a big problem with all of this, but even still there are the elements of Austin Hooper's game where there's drops, where it's not necessarily yards after catch, yards after contact. He just kind of catches the ball and falls when you when you see him on certain snaps. But the quarterback having a torn shoulder labrum, of course, is going to affect him. And I don't want to tell it. I don't want to grade Austin Hooper unfairly or evaluate Austin Hooper unfairly because of what Baker Mayfield was last year. Now, again, the 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 floor was. I mean, the floor had bottomed out with the Titans at tight end. Last year, uh, Keelan says his numbers were better than Njoku, and I understand what you're saying, but Njoku does not, I'm not hugely impressed with Njoku either. I'm shocked that the Browns gave David Njoku that kind of money, to be completely honest with you, but he is an all-around option. Again, I just thought that was interesting. That was the first comment that I saw about the tight end consistency, because what Hooper's issue has been, along with questionable quarterback play in the last season, is in question, right? And we've talked about Baker Mayfield. You guys know I didn't feel that great about Baker Mayfield anyway. And not only was Baker hurt, but Jarvis Landry, when he was out on the field, um, obviously not right. He dealt with uh, substantial injuries all season long. So how much, all, all we know is that Austin Hooper is getting a fresh start with the opportunity to earn another big deal. And that, you know, through the one OTA that we saw Austin Hooper and Ryan Tannehill working well together, you felt pretty good about the connection that they were starting to establish, that they're working on it already, and that you can see it paying dividends, or at least we could see it paying dividends, and how often they connected. I think it was like, it was like six of the first ten passes or something like that to Austin Hooper. Um, and again, he is going to be better because it would be almost impossible, nearly impossible to be worse, and he can be an all-around player. So if he earns an opportunity here, then it will be hugely beneficial for the Titans at a at an area of need where it is critical. Colin White says it best, run blocking is essential. It is essential, absolutely. And that was something that Jeff Swaim and, uh, and Michael Pruitt and Anthony Ferkser and Tommy Hudson all really sorely lacked. And all four of those guys saw opportunities on the field. Riley Moore, by the way, is an interesting undrafted rookie free agent from last year. That you uh, that tore his ACL in training camp. Now, I don't know. I, I haven't seen Briley Moore, and to be honest with you, I didn't. I didn't see him out on the on the uh, OTA field. But he was a guy who I think we all thought he was going to make the roster last year, and then of course the unfortunate injury uh, once training camp got underway. But what do we definitively know? That's the question. Well, so this was something that Greg Cosell and I were talking about on uh, on the uh, install 
That's the name of the podcast where Greg Cosell and I talk X's and O's each and every Wednesday in your favorite podcast app. So Greg and I were kind of going over the, the mindset of what to expect from the Tennessee Titans and how, how that can still provide value to them when a lot of their new parts and pieces are going to be trying to find time to gel. What and, their and if I could, I think that's is. probably the way they're going to start off because, sure. you know, I think there's probably some questions. Um, there'll be some questions about their passing game. Uh, simply because I think the offensive line has some questions. And normally if your offensive line has some questions, you'd really like to develop them as a run blocking unit because offensive linemen, as we know, tend to feel better mentally about coming off the ball forward and hard and attacking rather than being reactive and pass protection. So I think you'll see this team try to develop an early identity running the ball and having the pass game work off that with a lot of quick rhythm throws. Um, now, obviously, we, we all know that you're going to get into third and long situations where you do have to throw. Every team does have to do that. But I would bet that this team's identity, as it has been, by the way, this wouldn't be something brand new, will be to line up, try to control tempo, uh, try to control the pace of games. It's likely that they'll have a good defense. Certainly, they have a very, very good front seven, as we've discussed. We'll see uh, how the corner position lays out. We know Fulton will be one outside corner. We'll see who ends up being the other outside corner. I'm sure they'd love it to be Caleb Farley. Uh, we'll see how that plays out. But I think the front seven is clearly the strength of this defense or the front six if they're a nickel. Um, so I think you'll see this team be a little bit old school, which they essentially have been anyway. I mean, don't forget, they did average over 30 points a game a couple of years ago, essentially playing this way. Now, you need explosive plays in the pass game to do that. But there's multiple ways to get to explosive plays in the pass. So what Greg is telling you there, because I see some people like uh, Derek and Chris talking about the Titans need to pass more. And what Greg is telling you there is, yeah, don't expect them to. Uh, maybe, you know, maybe as things get more comfortable, as things start to gel more. But what's easier than trying to orchestrate uh, a new passing game with five new pieces and against a uh, against a, uh, a situation where not only are you working in new pieces, but a, a pretty considerable number of rookies could make uh, make substantial contributions for the Titans, whether that's Traylon Burks, Kyle Phillips. We'll see about Nicholas Petit Frere as the right tackle. Um, Hassan Haskins in some form or fashion. And Chigakonkwo. There's probably going to be snaps for all of those guys. So what do you do? What do you do when, you know, the expectation is for people to, to bring in Tim Kelly, for the Titans to bring in Tim Kelly, and for this to, uh, for, for this to create a, a very new and exciting and revitalized or closer to what the rest of the league is doing passing it. And maybe that will be the case by end of November. But in the meantime, the Titans have to figure out how to make all these pieces work together. So what do you do? You run the damn ball. You do the thing that the Titans do anyway. You run the ball and you play defense. You gut these games out in the early going against uh, the New York Giants in week one at home or the Buffalo Bills on Monday Night Football in week two. You gut it out, you play sound, fundamental, as close to mistake-free football as humanly possible, and you go ahead 
and you try and find ways to win games the way that you have already been winning games. The difference is, the difference is you can't or you don't have to stay married to that in the postseason, right? We all know that 16 points against the Bengals, turnovers as well, is what damned them. You're not going to keep pace with this AFC if that's the kind of approach that you're having once the postseason begins. There can be adaptations, and there can be places for you to have that kind of growth. But at this point, it's just about trying to play as clean a game as humanly possible. And you can make life a hell of a lot easier on everybody if you can have success running the football and playing defense. Chris Frazier says, stop, run, run, pass. And I agree. I, I think that they they are hugely predictable. And I think you can run the ball and be effective and not be so damn predictable, right? Because the Titans led the league in first down runs by a decent margin last year. But I think all of these different things, when people are looking at what to expect from the Titans offense, well, what do we what do we definitively know? What we definitively know is that they're going to run the football. They're going to run the football early and that they're going to continue to run the football because that's the way that their personnel gives them the advantage. Now, I want to see evolution in some form or fashion. I want to see what new elements that uh, Tim Kelly can provide to Todd Downing and that the feedback can be positive and you can continue to find ways to elevate what you already have, to creatively elevate what you already have in the same way that really differentiated Arthur Smith from, you know, and I don't want to hold him up against Todd Downing, but that's the that's the closest thing that we have. Last year's offense, and a lot of, a lot of it by, you know, a lot of it because of the injuries, they didn't have the opportunity to be hugely creative. And also there were moments when they just kind of left you scratching your head, like what the hell are they doing out there? Everybody knows what's coming, and it's a hell of a lot more stoppable than it used to be, right? So... I think that's a, I think what we know definitively is that the Titans are going to run the football and play good defense. That's what we know about this offense out of the gate. And that's out of necessity because you need to do the thing that best sets your football team up for success. And right now, that's keeping it not necessarily simplistic, but keeping it to what your core values are. And if you can play your style of game and have success, well, it doesn't matter if you, uh, you know, what it, it matters once what you do against divisional opponents what you do against AFC opponents, and then what happens in the playoffs if you're fortunate enough to make it. But you have to be prepared for that group to take some time to get together and find ways to make it work. And that's kind of the approach that Greg anticipates. And I think if you ask the Titans coaching staff in an honest moment, that would be the the place where you're where they're probably leaning as far as their inclinations are concerned. Uh, MB says, Buck, scoring usually goes down in the playoffs. Sure. Uh, it's usually about which team plays better defense in the playoffs. Yeah, but not if not if you're this football team, right? Like the the Titans. Titans probably played the best defensive game of anybody in the playoffs and one and done. Um, so it doesn't just come down. Uh, it doesn't. Uh, it's not you. Well, and and you know, let me let me disagree. The more that I read that comment, MB. Um, yes, defense matters. The whole thing is defense win championships, whatever. Um, not when it's Russell Wilson and Patrick Mahomes and Justin Herbert and. Uh, uh, who else? Lamar Jackson and Joe Burrow. And I mean, go down the list of all the crazy hell. We went through one, one and a half divisions and it's a bunch of killers out there. Right? So yes, defense matters, but nine sacks and you lose a playoff game. So like, it's not, 
it doesn't usually matter more than, okay, can you continue to score and find ways to creatively get in the end zone? Moving the ball down the field is not a problem. Titans move the, fall back down the, move the ball down the field fine against the Bengals outside of the turnovers, which, we, of course, we know. And even in a turnover, right? One of them, the second interception was in the red zone. Um, yeah, defense matters. And I'm not, I'm the, the best thing that you can do against all those nasty quarterbacks that I just named is have a kick ass defense. And that's what the Titans are trying to build. But they also have to be able to handle, I mean, we're talking, I'm talking 25 points per game is not an unreasonable expectation in today's NFL because everybody else is going to just try and just trying to just try and blow you out, right? Just try and score as many times as possible. That's always the objective. I know that's not groundbreaking analysis, but let's not place more emphasis on defense than the rest of the NFL is, right? And I think that's kind of the place where there may be a little bit of a, a disconnect. Anyway, um, so let's talk about scoring. Let's talk about scoring and where we expect them to be at this point in uh, in the season. Let's talk about where the Titans were at their height in 2020 versus where they were last year, where things clearly and obviously, and for many great reasons, uh, sputtered in ways that have a lot of scrutiny on that side of the ball. The question that I want to ask you is, what? how many points per game do you expect the Titans to score in 2022? Let me know on Facebook, YouTube, Twitter, and on Twitch. We will discuss at length together how many points per game we expect the Titans to be able to score if they're going to be competitive in this year's AFC. We'll talk about it here in just a second, right after I remind you about our friends at the Ashton Real Estate Group of REMAX Advantage. GaryAshton.com, that's where you go for your dream address without the stress. The Ashton team is who will provide you all the tools that you need with the Intel Edge to capitalize on a red-hot real estate market here in Middle Tennessee. The Gary Ashton team can help you sell your home without any stagings or showings. They can help you capitalize on your home equity and take advantage of your home's full value. And they can help you win the buyer battle and cash in now. GaryAshton.com is where you go for the official real estate agent of the Nashville Predators and of A to Z Sports Prime Time. Gary Ashton and the Ashton Real Estate Group of Remax Advantage at GaryAshton.com. Do you guys hear me kind of bark through that cough? I really tried there. I made I made producer Reed laugh with laugh with that one. I'm shocked, Reed, that we've made it through 20 minutes of show without me choking up because I could not I could not get through like three breaths without coughing up a lung before the show started. Now uh, I should say on the front end, not COVID. I think I got a cat hair in my throat, which is not ideal. So everybody can laugh at me if I start busting up and coughing with tears in my eyes. But yeah, like I'm telling you. 10 minutes before the show started, I just viciously started coughing. And we've done well so far, other than me almost choking in the middle of that endorsement for GaryAshton.com. Okay. How many points per game do you expect them to score in 2022? MB says league average, whatever that is. And, uh, you know, that's curious, MB, because league average, I can probably find that with relative ease. Um, the uh, There's a great website that does the teamrankings.com on points per game and what the NFL average um, would be, I think is a probably is, is a pretty interesting starting point, or at least what was league average last year, right? So on the high end, um, oh, this is going to be difficult to do the math in real time. Let's, let's say, you know, the average is around 23 or 22 points per game, right? So that would be uh, Seattle at 23.2 or Baltimore at 22.8. Those are the 16th and 17th 
scoring offenses in football last year. Now, Seattle scored 37.7 in their last three, and Baltimore scored 17.7. So some of that can be skewed, of course, by opponent, by travel, by all these different things, by injuries. There's so many different things that account into uh, whether an offense is successful or not. But leave it. Let's say a league averages twenty three points, just to be, just to be generous. Um, right now, twenty four points a game for Reynolds, so he's going to go over. Danny Sutherland thinks they're going to get a little closer to form than they like they were in twenty twenty one, or yes, in twenty twenty one, where they were having uh, substantial success with the offense. And uh, Frank, oh well, no, twenty twenty one was last year. Twenty twenty and twenty nineteen, where they were. Um, doing incredibly well with explosive plays, and Derek was breaking off, you know, sixty and seventy and eighty yard runs all the time, and you know you're getting these deep play action bombs to Corey Davis and AJ Brown, and you feel great about where the offense is, but you know at the time they had a defense that couldn't stop anybody. 2019 was about as balanced a team as we've seen from the Titans so far. Uh, sabotage by producer Reed says, "Tag, no, I don't think he planted the. Uh, I don't think he planted the cat here in my throat. It would be very, very difficult to do." Uh, Stephen King says, can we get a cat update? Uh, I mean, there are no cats in the room with me. There are two somewhere, uh, you know, plotting my demise. But anyway, a cat update for a later day. Um, so looking at all this with uh, with what the Titans were and what the Titans are capable of being, it's a big question right now. And of course, you know, we'll see this ebb and flow throughout the course of the season. But I, I bet it would surprise people to know that the Titans had a top 15 offense in 2021, 24.2 points per game. So it's the 14th best scoring offense in football. Now we know that in 2020, they were at the they were among the class of the league, right? They were scoring 29.6 points per game and were uh, were I mean, the second best team at home, 30.7. Like they were ripping through opponents last year. So you go from top 5 to top 15. It's a big drop, obviously, but I think people would have thought the offense was uh, would have thought that the offense was much worse off than about twenty four point four points per game. Um, B French says average thirty point seven last season, fourth in the NFL, not according to Pro Football uh, Reference. I have Green Bay at thirty one point one. I have Tampa Bay at thirty point eight. I have Buffalo at twenty nine point nine and twenty nine point six for your Tennessee. Titans uh, in 2021 that of course dropped from 20 uh, 29 plus points per game to 24 points per game in that season and of course a great many reasons uh, why that was so so Jeff Sawyer says uh, 2020 our offense was good but our defense struggled bad just the opposite last year it was but it wasn't struggled like top 15 offense is still good right like you're still moving the ball you're maybe not scoring at the rate that you were. Obviously, Derek has a big impact on that, how much easier it is for him to get in the end zone than most you know, normal human beings or semi-normal human beings on an NFL field of play. Um, I think that somewhere in between is the answer, right? So it's probably ballpark, it's probably 27.3 points or somewhere where the expectation is reasonable. They're probably not as good as almost 30 points per game as they were in 2020. There's a lot of things that accounted for that. Less less crowds, easier easier for the quarterback to operate, to communicate. Um, we saw all sorts of scoring across the league rise in 2020. Titans had a good offense, but there are certain things about that weird season that I'm sure worked to their advantage. Twenty, uh, let's let's just take a look at 2019, for example, out of curiosity to see how much further, 
how much better they got from 19 to 20. Uh, they were a top 10 offense, but scoring across the league was down. So a top 10 offense um, for Tennessee at the as the eighth best scoring offense, 24.9 the year that they made it to the AFC Championship game. So in you know the the very next season, 24.9, for example, would get you uh, would get you the 16th best offense in football. That's the Atlanta Falcons. So just for scale, I think that's a really important thing to notice. How much different? How much more? How much better offenses were across the board in 2020? So there's probably going to be a bit of a regression and. You can also expect uh, the offense to improve. So a, a bit of a regression rather from 2020 to find somewhere in the middle ground. So somewhere in between 30 and 24, 27 points per game feels pretty good for the Tennessee Titans. If you came away saying that Ryan Tannehill with a bunch of new pieces and parts was back to scoring 27 points per game, you would feel pretty good about the Tennessee Titans in that span. Um Deborah says tight ends may save the offense. Going to be a decline at least uh, September. Um, a decline in terms of scoring and a decline in terms of what, Deborah? I'm not declining wide receivers for the September for September, just as they get their kind of feet under them. And I think it's going to be fascinating. Um, tight end will make a big difference for Ryan Tannehill. Be French. I do agree. I think just just, just a reliable target will mean all will mean will make all the difference in the world for him. Uh, but let's wrap things up with, this is a free site, the best thing that I saw on the internet this weekend. And let me ask you the question, what's the worst missed caller text that you've ever had? Now, the context for this is uh, from the NFL draft, and we're going to show you a video that the Seahawks put out about a draft pick not being near his phone at the time when his life was getting ready to be changed. So whether that's a work call, it could be good or bad, the worst missed call or text that you've ever had regarding your work, regarding your family, anything. Hopefully it wasn't too uh, problematic for you, but I've certainly had one that comes to mind, and it was as recently as last season, and it has to do with Derrick Henry. So this is a free site. What's the worst missed call or text you've ever had that just sank sank in the pit of your stomach? I'm sure everybody has uh, has felt this. At some point in your life, Chris Frazier says, bad, you should have your phone talking about the draft pick. Yes, let me show you this video courtesy of the Seattle Seahawks to see one potentially missed call um, that resulted in a, well, it was a missed call, one voicemail uh, that, you know, I'm sure uh, this particular player, Kenneth Walker, the running back out of Michigan State, um, would have liked to take in person. Sorry, I can't talk right now. Leave a message. It's just going right to voicemail. Sorry, I can't talk right now. Leave a message. No. Send him a text. Tell him to pick up his phone. <laughs> yeah, that'd be great. 
Sorry, I can't talk right now. Leave a message. Sorry, I can't talk right now. Leave a message. Please record your message when you are Hello? Hello? Yeah. Hey, it's John Schneider with the C. Watching John Schneider's face is laugh out loud funny. Laugh out loud funny to see how irritated he's getting that the the they I mean they're called there's 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 a whole phone bank worth of people trying to call this damn running back. To, I think they they drafted him in the fourth round. Seattle did no, they drafted him before Malik Willis, which was insane to me, given that Seattle has clear and obvious needs at quarterback. So what's the worst missed call that you've ever had? Um, oh, Steven Snyder with a brutal one. My grandmother died while at a job interview and they tried calling me during it. Oh man, I'm sorry to, I'm sorry to hear that. That's a tough one. I guess I did not a call. I did not account for, uh, for sad ones. I'm sure though people have those moments too. Um, dog versus face says like when you would call into a radio show for tickets, Oh, just keep trying to call. Yeah. I'm, I'm, I think I'm sure people experience that on the radio show plenty of times when I've got like Titans tickets on Thursdays during the season. For example, Derek R says my college admission, my college admissions call. I didn't answer the first time they called luckily left a voicemail. So mine uh, was a text. It wasn't a call, but it was very, very late in the night on Halloween. Well, I guess technically it was uh, November the 1st of this past year. And if you're a Titans fan, you remember that Derrick Henry against the Indianapolis Colts on Halloween was uh, was the, that was the game that he got injured. Now, we did not net, yet know that it was a Strex fracture and that he was going to miss the remainder of the regular season. But I got a text probably about a half an hour after I fell asleep. This was probably about, it was a, like ballpark 1, 1.30 a.m. on November the 1st. And all I had when I woke up at like, 7 a.m. Eastern time the next day, getting ready to drive back from Indianapolis to Nashville was a text on my phone from uh, from a source that said, Derrick Henry broke his foot. He's done for the season. So I had it at one in the morning and I was asleep. And it's very, very, now, now it doesn't matter, right? Get the story. And I probably should have stayed up trying to get that story. That's why Adam Schefter and Ian Rappaport are insane people because they, go above and beyond at any hour, at any time, on any day to make sure they get the scoop, right? That's what that's what makes those people you know, kind of sociopaths. But I swear, I woke up and I've never been more sick to my stomach. Now, here's the thing. It was one text, right? So I would have had to go on through the process of trying to report that out and trying to confirm it. And there's only one source there. So you can't, uh, you can't in, in our business, you can't just run off one text because somebody said it was so even if that uh, individual is hugely trustworthy, right? Even if you would trust them with the information anyway, you, you just have to get you have to get a second source on it to make sure that you are buttoned up, especially when it comes to medical evaluation, especially when it comes to a story of that size. So there's no guarantee that I would have gotten it anyway, but damn, I would have loved to have the Derrick Henry uh, foot injury scoop um, at the time. And had I been awake, I would have got it. It still makes me sick to my stomach. Tough scene. All right. Uh, that is going to do it for us this evening. Radio show tomorrow. Going to be a lot of fun. We're going to talk about the Tennessee Volunteers winning the SEC championship. 
We've got plenty of Titans topics and ground to cover with you as well. A lot of good stuff on the radio show from 10 to 1 on 104.5 The Zone. Enjoy what remains of your uh, Memorial Day weekend. I Mine is not yet done. I have an engagement after this, as a matter of fact, that I have to attend. But we will do this again tomorrow night here on A to Z Sports Primetime. And Austin and Zach will take care of you in the morning. See y'all.